Um, some of them have lost family and friend, and they are think, wondering whether it's worth it all. They're considering to go back to some form of religion that appears in some cases to be some form of legalism, some form of Judaism that they're being attracted to. And the writer is telling them not to do that, but to endure and to not give up. And the idea of perseverance permeates the epistle of the Hebrews. And so he sets forth in chapter 11 a series of examples. And, um, and then he comes to chapter 12 and he says, therefore, the word therefore is an emphatic marker often used with uh, results in mind. It's often used with um, exhortations in mind. Uh, and the writer does have one exhortation for us. And it's only one. There's only one, there's only one verb here that, is, um, that can be construed as an exhortation, and it's the, it's the verb to run. He wants us to run the race. The question is, how may we run that race with endurance? How may we finish the race that's set before us? Well, the writer tells us, and he gives us a few um, he gives us a few words of encouragement about how we might run that race. And we want to look at those this morning. So let's pray before we look at those. Our Father, we do thank you for your word. Um, I need endurance. All of us need endurance. The easiest thing in the world is to give up and to go with the flow. To go along with everybody else and turn our backs on you. But you tell us to keep on keeping on. And in this passage, you give us some instructions about how we might do that. And we pray that you would open our eyes this morning as we consider these consider these words of encouragement about how we might run the race. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, first of all, I want to draw your attention to the fact that the writer says we run the race by enduring. Um, by <coughs> enduring. Um, we don't give up, even though the going gets rough. Um, to run with endurance is to run with the capacity to continue and to bear up under difficult circumstances. That's the idea of the, of the word. So we don't give up when the going gets tough. Um, again, I'll point out, giving up is the easiest thing to do, and we can always blame somebody else or something else, right? It's either the people around us or it's the circumstances we face, and that's why we want to, that's why we want to quit. And we use those, and they are not reasons for quitting. They're just mere excuses because we don't want to face the difficulties. And life is going to be full of difficulties. You're going to present them to you. In, uh, it's going to present difficulties to you in every area of your life. Whether it's work or home or church or school, you're going to be faced with difficulties and you run the race by enduring through those difficulties. 
We often think that circumstances keep us from accomplishing the things that we set out to accomplish. Um, but we can't ever let that happen. One clear example to me is B.B. Warfield, the Princeton theologian of a century ago. Uh, everybody thinks, you know, uh, I don't know, you read B.B. Warfield and say, man, he had a great inte- intellect, you know, he, he was able to write all these, all, these, all these works, he was able to teach at the seminary, um, he remained a conservative in the midst of uh, the midst of a transition in the Presbyterian Church, where they were moving more and more toward liberalism and more and more to questioning the the authority and the inspiration of the Scripture. You know, how did he have so much energy to, to do all that studying, to do all of that work, and to um, and to stand the way in the manner in which he stood? How did he do that? But what few people know is that B.B. Warfield's wife was bedridden. And he spent, his, he spent his hours out of the seminary working at her bedside. That's where he did his work, at his wife's bedside. Yes. He endured. He could have said, you know, my wife really needs me, and I just don't have time for all that. But he didn't. And I don't know if she was bedridden for his whole ministry. I'm not trying to say that. But for the last part of her life, she was bedridden. And Warfield sat by her bedside and completed completed many works, theological works, and he never quit. That's endurance. And that's a circumstance that anybody could look at and say, oh, we'd understand, right? We'd understand that you couldn't keep doing this. uh, I use circumstances all the time to get out of things. (laughs) We do. uh, But we need to stop that, and we need to think that other people who have done more things have had just as much or maybe more difficulties in their lives and they didn't quit. I'm reminded of Don Richardson who was one of the first missionaries to Papua New Guinea and um, he ministered among headhunters and cannibals and um, uh, when he went on his uh, mission trip his wife had just previously had twins and they were going up the river to the village where they were going to be and his babies fell into the river and they tried to, the the natives tried to get in and find them and bring them out and they never did find them. He he and his wife could have said, you know what, Um, I think I'm going to go home now. You know, I've lost, I've lost my children. But they didn't. They continued up to the village and they stayed there and they brought the Word of God to those people and God changed them. Um, Not all at once, but God changed them over time. And there's Christian churches in New Guinea now, in Papua New Guinea, among people who used to eat other people. They endured. And I know it had to be tough. But they endured. So that's the first thing God tells us. You, you want to run the race, you need to do it by enduring. That's how you run. Secondly, he says you must run the race by putting off the sin that slows you down. I like the way that Tyndale translates it in his New Testament translation. He says, lay away all that presseth thee down. I, I don't know how to quite pronounce how he wrote it, but it's like, lay away all, all that presseth doom. 
But that's really what it, that's, that's a good translation. It's a great translation. Uh, set aside the sin that entangles us. Now the picture is of something that is holding, holding tight to us. It's, uh, it's entangling us. It's got its, it's got its tentacles wrapped around us. You know, it's like an octopus that's tying us up at every point. It's, uh, uh, and, it, and it's easily, it's easily entangling us because, not only because it's holding tight, but because it's part of us. We struggle not only with particular sins. We struggle because we're sinners. You know, in the confession of faith, when we when we've read that before, that you know, all uh, we're, we're all sinners. We have a nature to sin, and from that from that constitution proceeds all particular sins. And so we're struggling with it, and we're still struggling with it. And the writer, of the, and God is telling us, listen, put it aside. It's part of the battle. It's actually part of the battle while you're running the race is to put it aside. We sing the hymn, not as often as we might want, but come thou fount of every blessing. Remember that one? Yes. The last verse has this in the last section. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. It's a song that resonates well with, with me and with you as well. We are prone to wander. And it's discouraging. And that in itself makes us want to give up. That's how we feel. We've committed a sin. And then three or four day, days later we find we commit the same sin. But it could be anything. You know, It could be that we're, we have a loose tongue. We've had a loose tongue all of our lives, and overcoming that loose tongue is difficult because it's part of what we are, and we keep catching ourselves doing. We keep finding ourselves going, "Oh God, please forgive me because I was talking again, and I shouldn't have been talking." And it's discouraging, and we begin to wonder, "Well, why should we continue?" Because all we're doing is fighting with the same sin over and over and over again. Well, one thing I'll tell you is that when when that happens to you, you know what God is doing in your life by His grace. He's making you hate the sin. <laughs> Did you ever think of that? Because you really do hate the sin. You're having trouble overcoming it, yes. And, but God wants you to hate the sin and love Him. And so we go to Him for forgiveness. And when we ask His forgiveness, He gives it to us. He's very gracious. And in the process, He teaches us to hate that sin and so, yes, eventually we put it aside. Maybe it takes a while, but we, we lay it aside and we keep running the race. Even though we feel like we're getting tripped up, we, we run the race that's before us. And we put off those sins that slow us down. And that's just what they do. They slow us down. So then we run the race by enduring, and we run the race by putting off the sin that slows us down. And then thirdly, we run the race by considering the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. Chapter 11 is, uh, what is it, 39 verses, 40 verses, uh, telling us about those who kept the faith. You see, in chapter 11, 10 and verse 
Well, it's the last verse. <laughs> but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. We need to have a perseverance. We need to have a, a, an attitude that will not let go. Perseverance is what we all need. Endurance is what we all need. And so the writer of Hebrews talks about faith. And when I say the writer of Hebrews, I mean the Lord is the writer of Hebrews, really. But he talks about faith. He gives us somewhat of a definition of it. But then he starts to talk about those who lived by faith. And when he talks about those who lived by faith, it's not just that they said, Oh, I believe! Okay, it's not somebody who just said, I believe. Not somebody who just went forward and prayed a prayer. It's not somebody who did that. It's somebody who did, who did say, I believe, but who, did, who kept saying, I believe. In other words, they, kept, they lived in light of it. They kept holding on. Did they fail? Yes. Did they sin? Of course. In fact, the list he gives is full of people who, whose lives were, I mean, not really that, uh, you know, the pictures you paint from them are not that great. I mean, uh, we don't have much to say about Abel. He didn't seem to, I mean, nothing was ever said about Abel. When we look at Abraham, what did Abraham? He was a great father of faith, wasn't he? Sure, and he lied about his wife twice, right? Twice. Not just once, twice. She's my sister. Why? Well, I'm afraid of the guys over here. They're going to see how beautiful she is. She must have been, you know, uh, uh, when we think of somebody who's a real looker, get, you've got to get this in mind. She wasn't a picture of, that you might see in the what's it magazine. Vogue, whatever. Vogue, not, not one of those. Not some model that you'd see that's all trim, you know, and all that. That's, that is not beauty in the ancient world. You know what beauty was in the ancient world? A woman who was somewhat chubby. Yes. A woman who could bear children. That was beauty. So Sarah, she still must have been, you know, a woman of extraordinary looks in their, from their perspective because she was older when Abraham did this. Yes. Yep. So see, you really can age beautifully. You don't need to get Botox. <laughs> but Abraham he put her in jeopardy twice and so did his son right they followed suit there but they're still held up as examples of faith and the writer says in verse 19 these all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. So they saw these things in front of them. So what they do, they kept believing God's promise. You see, they didn't give up just because they didn't get what they were told. They didn't give up just because, yeah, they failed. No, they continued believing. They continued trusting God and His promises. And so then he continues to talk about Abraham, and then he talks about Moses. Well, Moses is a great guy. Except he killed an Egyptian. Because he thought that he they should everybody should understand that, you know, God wanted me to deliver the people. Right? Well, they didn't get it, so 
So he kills the Egyptians, uh, the Egyptian, and um, so he wasn't perfect. But the writer doesn't really bring any of that out, does he? He just holds him up as a man of faith. We're supposed to fill in the places where we're supposed to fill this in as we read. We're supposed to remember who these guys are. Because we aren't perfect either. We do things wrong too. But they still are held up as people who believe. And so then he gets to the end. He gets to the end and he says, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon. Yeah. Gideon. We just talked about Gideon a couple weeks ago. And oh, and, and Barak. We just talked about him this morning. He was a real, he was a real go-getter, wasn't he? I'll go if you go, Deborah. I mean, so, you know. Oh, and Samson. I love this one. I can't think of anything good about Samson. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says that he was a man of faith. Huh. Well, Jephthah, David, I get Samuel, I get the prophets, I get. But they were men of faith, women of faith too. He doesn't. He mentions Sarah in there. Again, he ends the chapter with all these, though commended through their faith. Notice that commended through their faith did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should they should not be made perfect. Faith is looking at what God says and not what really happens. Faith is looking at God's promise and saying, I believe that. I see it even if I don't have it right now. And you don't give up. That's the picture of endurance. You don't give up. And that's the writer's point in chapter 12. Run with endurance or by enduring. Um, run by putting off the sin that so easily besets you. Those other guys before you, they, they did the same thing. Um, that's probably why they, they're not mentioned. I don't know. But then run. Run by considering this cloud of witnesses. Now imagine yourself in an arena, right? Is that what they call it? A sports arena. If you ever get to go to Israel, you could go to um, Caesarea and you can see the, uh, what do they call that thing? Coliseum. The what? Coliseum. It's like a Coliseum. It's a big open space where they used to have chariot races. It's, the stadium. It's huge. I walked across it from, uh, I walked across the length and it's a huge, it's huge, it's huge. And um, now imagine yourself, in, imagine yourself sitting along the sides. Because they have the seats are all there, you know, people sitting down. Imagine yourself sitting there and watching, you know, and there's a race. You're one of the contestants in that race. And what's around you? What's around you are the saints that went before you. And they are there. Now, I'm not, you know, you're not going to see them, but it's like they're watching on. It's a great cloud of witnesses. They've gone before you. Look at them. Don't give up. Keep running. Don't look at anything. Don't look at anything. Remember them. They're there. But there's one person that you need to keep your eyes on. And that is Christ. You know why? Because He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one that's gone before us. So we're to keep our eyes fixed on Him. He's the, head. He's the, he's the lead runner, we might say. Right? 
uh, uh, there was a man who told a story, I think it was his brother who was running a race, and his brother was running a race, and in the end he lost, you know, and uh, he told his brother, he said, I don't understand, you know, I lost, I was ahead of these other guys, and, that's, and his brother said, that was your problem. You were looking at who was behind you. You should have been looking at who was in front of you and put your eyes on him because that's the one you had to keep up with. He was the pace setter and you fell behind because you were too busy looking at the people behind you. Well, the writer of Hebrews, God, he tells us, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You have all this cloud of witnesses around you that can encourage you and everything, but to finish the race, you really got to keep your eyes on Christ. Consider Him, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross and suffered its shame. Consider Him. He suffered more than you ever will. You can lose house, family, and all that stuff, but you'll never be... Well, you might be crucified on a cross, but you're never going to bear the wrath of God because that's what Christ bore. The stroke that justice gave was the stroke that hurt Jesus. We sing that in our songs, stricken, smitten, and afflicted. It was the stroke that justice gave. You could not bear that. That's why we say Christ descended into hell. How? Because the Father forsook Him. That's how. He experienced the forsakenness of God on our behalf. So we're to keep our eyes on Him. Tim Cassie in his recent book on uh, churches around the world, he made this comment in the introduction. He said, and it, and it, really, it really spoke to me because it's exactly how I how I've uh, he he hit it, it hit me when he said this because I'm I'm I've always been amazed too. But listen to this quote. I'm always amazed at God's choices in the book of Hebrews to illustrate enduring faith. The company of heroes in chapter eleven is an uneven and unlikely lot that ranges from Abraham the patriarch to Rahab the prostitute. That's because the chapter is not a gallery for displaying human greatness, but rather one that magnifies the grace of God. It's as if everyone in Hebrews 11 is pointing down the line to the next chapter to the real hero of the story, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. End quote. All 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 those that great cloud of witnesses, they point forward to the shining sun, our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're tempted to give up, and we all are, when you get tired and you don't want to continue, remember that God tells you in Hebrews chapter 12, run the race by enduring the hardships. Run the race by putting off the sin that entangles you. And run the race by considering not only the great cloud of witnesses, but the one to whom they point, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do give you thanks for your word. We pray now that you would um, make its message effective in our lives. We live in a day of giving up. All around us, Christians are giving up. They're going the way that the world wants us to go. And sometimes we can even understand and appreciate those what they're what they're what they we can appreciate what's happening. 
and yet we're called by you to endure. Not focusing on those around us, not even really focusing on those who went before us, but to use those who went before us as a, as a guide, bringing us to our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. May our eyes be fixed on Him as we run the race that's set before us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.